0: We're back again, and today we have great interviews, and we have a whole bunch of news to discuss. So you'll want to stay tuned for this episode of the Indie Ball Report podcast. We're back again episode number 91 we're rapidly approaching episode number 100 and technically i guess if you include bonus episodes then the next episode will be 100 but i don't really count those as uh, official episodes so you know
1: yeah it's real episode 91
0: exactly only the flagships count too because we kind of buried the lead we have bill lee on the show you know the longest oh, yeah, serving. Happened. yeah you know the longest serving commissioner in independent league baseball we have him on the program this week and uh the, to be quite honest he's probably just the first of uh, well technically josh shop was the first commissioner we had on the show but that was several months ago i'm talking now into the recent and soon to be uh, he is the first commissioner we had on the show. We should probably have at least one other one coming on uh, fairly soon, if not uh, both of them, hopefully. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see there. We do have a guest plan for next week, which is rather timely as well, but uh, more on Bill Lee. Yeah, we interviewed him. It was a tremendous interview. I really did enjoy it. You can really tell he was uh, a really nice guy, a really earnest guy, and someone that really does... I enjoy the game of baseball, and you could tell uh, a lot of the accomplishments and a lot of the uh, big announcements that came from the Frontier League in the uh, not-too-distant past really do mean a lot to him. Uh, he talked a, a lot about uh, what the what kind of a crowning achievement uh, this partnership deal that they have with Major League Baseball is. They talk, He talked an awful lot about... Uh, how much uh, it means to him to have this this partnership deal. Also, I we went through a couple of other real career highlights, and it's a really good interview. Uh, you're going to hear that in just a moment here. But uh, I suppose, Will, do you have any uh, any thoughts on the interview before we start to jump right into it? Obviously, we'll discuss it afterwards, as we always do. But uh, I figure I'll open the floor up for that first.
1: So I I, I won't spoil too much of it uh, in, in the pre. Before, before obviously the listeners get a chance get a chance to hear it, but I will say it was an it was an absolute blast uh, in, in the interview. We got a lot of our a lot of our questions answered. Really got into the mind of uh, a great commissioner during during the, the COVID times and a time where there's there's never been as much volatility within the minor league baseball community and of course within the independent ball or partner league community, whichever whichever you prefer and i thought it was it was a really really interesting conversation and i think the listeners will definitely definitely enjoy it
0: uh, so i guess with uh, all of us promoting it so heavily here and really uh, making a point to tell you how good it is we should just get into it so you can see for yourself uh, this is our interview with the commissioner of the frontier league bill lee All right, we are back and we again have a tremendous guest this week, one of the stalwarts of independent league baseball, one of the names you really associated with it. And that name is Bill Lee, the commissioner of the Frontier League, and he joins the show now. How's it going today, Bill? And thank you for doing this.
2: Nick, Will, thank you so much for having me. It's uh, it's an honor to be on with you guys. I don't think we've done this before. So
0: um,
2: let's have some fun with it today.
0: We haven't, and the honor is all ours, really. And uh, I guess with that said, we could just dive right into the questions that uh, everyone wants answered because when we put up the post saying, oh, we're going to have you on the show, uh, the common thread of all the questions we got were about this partnership with Major League Baseball. And it's obviously a tremendous thing for the league, it uh, definitely adds a lot of prestige the league having that major league baseball seal to it. So I was just wondering if you could tell us some of the advantages of the partnership and maybe some of the lesser known elements of it.
2: Well let me first go back and say that, you know, when when we started talking with MLB about, little, about a year or so ago, um it was it was quite an honor for folks like myself and a guy like Miles Wolf that watched this and and people that have been in it. For you know, since the mid '90s, to uh, even get recognition from Major League Baseball was was uh, it was kind of almost like a, a a prophecy being fulfilled, you know, or something that we had hoped for all those years. And um, and, and and to be welcomed at the at the winter meetings, it takes you know, it was it was uh, it was a, it was a strange feeling for us. Um, but as time went on. Uh, and we, we met with MLB, uh, the three leagues, uh, the yep. American Association, the Atlantic League, and us all met with MLB. And then all of a sudden, COVID hits.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, uh, we were, it slowed everything down. We were in a process that we were hoping this was going to be announced as early as last March or, or mm-hmm. April. Uh, then once COVID hit, it just slowed everything down, obviously. And, uh, MLB had to worry about a major league season. And, uh, then they had the, the, uh, MILB, uh, uh negotiations yeah. going on and, and all that stuff. So it slowed, it slowed a lot of it down. Yeah. So when it finally picked back up again, um, we were, we were fortunate that, uh, it came out and and is what we're doing and and as of right now some of, some of the you know the important thing is that number one we are a partner league with Major League Baseball and that's that's been huge for us uh, I think our fans have really appreciated the fact that that uh, now we have that partnership and and it, you know we're going to be able to use uh, the Major League uh, uh, logo and 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 perhaps even do a partner league type of a logo mm. that will be. Uh, uh, that would incorporate the major league stuff for us. Um, I think that's a, that's a huge benefit. Um, there will be some programs coming down the pike with uh, whether it be through, um, you know, for fans, for, 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 whether it be for ticketing, whether for, for promotions, for sponsorships. Um, obviously they want to get player data yeah. uh, that, uh, you know, and be able to move players faster and easier. Out of our leagues with more flexibility, and I think that's going to happen. Uh, and obviously, one of the other things was that they wanted us to be willing to possibly take any teams that may be contracted. So those are some of the things that are out there, and uh, and we're anxious uh, about all of it. Uh, looking forward to dealing with it, but right now the it's a it's just a basic agreement that we are part of the MLB family. And uh, going forward, here we're, we're the 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 agreement will continue to grow and change and, and, and morph as we go through time. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah, that's, uh, it's tremendous, because especially, you know, as someone that's really gotten into independent league ball over really the last three or four years, but always been a fan of it, it's always been around by where I'm at, It to see you guys now have this kind of partnership with Major League Baseball to be acknowledged by it is so radically different from when I was a kid, and I was watching it, and it just seemed like there was two totally separate entities where I think it was more so on the major league side, they weren't terribly interested in independent league ball. So to see that now you're coming together in some form is, is a tremendous thing. And I, I guess with that, I do want to continue on the, the partnership for a little bit longer. And I do want to ask about, uh, uh, from a player perspective, because we do have a lot of players that listen to the show and follow the page and everything like that. And uh, I do kind of want to know what they're going to notice from this partnership. I know you you mentioned about having advanced numbers and uh, and better access to statistics. So I was kind of wondering what else from a player perspective is going to be uh, noticed from the partnership.
2: Well, and, and one thing I'd like to add, Will, is, is and, and, and I really appreciate the fact what you said about how long you've been a, a fan of independent ball. And, you know, and sooner or later we're going to kind of phase that term independent
0: hmm.
2: out of the way a little bit here and become more partner league baseball. Yep. Uh, and it'll be partner league baseball and which I think is, is very important. There was a, there was a stigma with the term independent, I think. Yeah. And one other thing I'd like to kind of clear up is that, is that a lot of the, I guess people would think that MLB didn't recognize us as much, but in all actuality, it was, it was, it was really more of, you know, the MILB stuff. Minor League Baseball was, was there. MLB, we've always worked with teams and, and, and you know, and sold players to teams, but now it's just all kind of opened up more for us. And, uh, MLB has been extremely gracious, uh, in dealing with us. And, uh, uh, I, you know, that's my personal feeling. Um, so I wanted to kind of yeah. bring that up too. I, I didn't mention that earlier, but as far as, as far as the players goes guys, um, with the fact that there are going to be less minor league teams and now going forward, there's going to be a lot less rounds of the draft going yeah. forward. Um, uh, I think that with, with the, the frontier league growing as it is with the merger we did with the Can-Am and, uh with with the potential of others other possible teams coming i think you're looking at uh the frontier league being really at the forefront for independent ball especially with you know guys that have been in in these these low class a leagues or the rookie leagues before uh or class a ball even double a ball that got that get released and and want to keep playing i think it's going to be a real advantage for leagues like ours uh to be able to accommodate all these players that are going to be out there and uh uh i'm really excited for that i think that uh, once we uh get everything squared away with getting the the uh, uh the numbers and and the statistical services all in place i think it's going to really be helpful for these for these clubs but uh many people feel around the industry that the frontier league is at the forefront of of this big change and and maybe the league that benefits the most out of this out of all this uh, change
0: and younger players definitely need a place to play as well uh, a lot of times uh, everyone's eye gets drawn to more established players players with a bit more uh, of a name behind them and uh, younger guys they're just as good and they definitely need their start somewhere in the frontier league is tremendous for that and uh, with that i believe will you had something to ask about the merger because i remember hearing that came up here and i think you had some questions about that
1: just before we get, before I I ask about the merger itself, I, I did want to ask one one more thing about the the uh, the MLB partnership. So you mentioned that one of the MLB's hopes was to potentially bring in. Bring in uh, different affiliated markets that end up not having uh, an affiliation anymore. So have you been in discussion with with former affiliated markets that that are, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, that get cut by minor league baseball? Do you anticipate on bringing a couple of those teams into the Frontier League as soon
2: as next season? Well, we certainly hope to, Will. Um, and, uh, you know, and everybody's still kind of sitting in a holding position here. And today's supposed, supposedly a big day that the final 120 may be announced, you know. Um, uh, so so we don't really know what the f- true 120 is. I mean, it's, some clubs have, have, have uh, talked to us, uh, you know, just trying to do some due diligence, wondering if they're in or out. But there have been no... Super formal type of things that uh, that that anybody's doing. Everybody wants to wait and see what's going to happen with the one twenty, where 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 everything's going to shake out. So um, and how these how these player development licenses are going to go. So um, that's kind of where things are as of this morning. Um, to be very honest with you. Well,
1: what do you look for when looking for for a new market, specifically like? you know, markets that already have a stadium, already have a fan base. From your perspective, what are you kind of looking for uh, when you see a team that maybe loses their affiliation and what makes you say that's a good fit for the Frontier League?
2: Well, I'll just say it this way, Will, no matter what, whether it's now or whether it was 25 years ago in the Frontier League, um, we've always had the same. I have four major qualifications that I've always looked for. And number one is the market. Can the market sustain? Is it, is it a viable market? Is it, you know, is it, uh, is there business there? Is there, you know, how is the market? Uh, is there media? Is there, you know, will it be able to sustain? Two look at the facility what is the facility like what is the location you know what is the accessibility um you know those kind of things let's talk about the facilities uh, and, and we want to make sure that it's that it's a that it's a, a good caliber and meets certain standards that we want number three would be the strength of the ownership group um can they afford to play the game um so because when you get into minor league sports, whether it's baseball, whether it's uh, and it's just not the Frontier League, it's it's and it's just not independent ball. It's all of baseball or it's all of football. It's all of hockey. It's all of basketball. What, whatever it is when it comes to minor league sports, you know, it still can be it's it it it, it could be a gamble. OK, but you got so you got to have them the deep pockets to play the game. And number four, and probably perhaps the most important uh I guess condition, you'd call it, uh, of all is or criteria of all, would be the day-to-day management. Who's going to be running it? What's the business plan? Uh, how are you going to treat it like a business? Uh, you know those kind of things. Because you know if you got those four things going for you, which is market, facility, ownership, and management. If you got all four of those going for you, you've got magic. If you've got three of those going, you can overcome some things. Okay. But, um, and even with two, if you got, if you've got a a, a good market and good management, but the ownership strength is weak or the facility something, you can overcome some things with two of them. But of all things, if you've if you don't have one of those, you're in trouble. And that's management. You got to have people that know what they're doing, running these things on a day to day basis. And, um, and hopefully you can overcome a lot of other weaknesses. But those are the four things that I like to look at. And uh, that I try and put a criteria to every time uh, we look at a new market. So it would be the same with whatever is out there for us.
1: So that's really interesting. before I get into the into the merger, I know I know Nick lo- loves talking about expansion. So I, Nick, if you have if you have any other questions before I uh, about that about the MLB partnership or potential expansion before I get into the merger, f- feel free to, to jump
0: in. Yeah, I, I had one or two that I wanted to just ask. I was mainly going to ask if there's any interest in uh, any more in the Canadian market, because I know you guys just expanded into Ottawa, uh, the one team that didn't make the jump from the Can-Am League. And uh, then I was going to just kind of wonder if there's any sort of region in particular that you look to expand to, say, maybe the more southern U.S., say, maybe New England, any region in particular.
2: Well, obviously, uh, next year we'd we'd like to keep get as many people up in that area to to, to fulfill schedules and 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 um, you know fill in that area. If you if you put the current Frontier League map after the merger on the you know you just look at a map, you see there's a gap there uh, going basically from New York up to up to Canada, and you want to try and fill that if possible. Um, you know, and we're going to look at Different places there that that may be available. We're going to look at the potential of some of the other expanses there. So there's been some interest from some other cities in Canada already, mm-hmm. uh, just because of the merger. So um, yeah, there's possibilities out there. And but yet with the fact that the league right now spans from basically the Mississippi River to the uh, you know the St. Lawrence <laughs> Seaway there at <in> Quebec. <laughs> um and and the atlantic ocean i mean we're we've got a we've got quite the footprint yeah. and i mean it's it's more than probably one fourth of the of the entire united states you know yeah in in part of canada so um yeah I, you know we definitely want to try and fill that in and we want to try and get travel regionalized and make it more affordable for all of our clubs as much as we can
0: absolutely there and so uh, that's that does it for my expansion questioning uh will uh you can take over on the merger talk
2: Boy, i'm getting good at answering your questions here so far boys i know yeah
0: you <laughs> out of everyone you've been doing the best so far plus i know plus we've only had uh, we only had one other commissioner on and already you beat him on time
2: oh good good
1: yeah so my question is as far as as far as the merger, you're talking a lot about geography and, and regions you you would like to expand in. But I, I kind of want to go back to to around uh, a year or so ago, um, pre-pandemic, when the Frontier League ended up merging with the Can-Am League. Now, when you think of uh, like the New Jersey, New York area, and uh, as well as well as Canada, obviously that's not usually a that historically has not been an area where the frontier league uh, has really had much of a footprint. So what was the motivation when you guys were, when you were talking about the merger with the Canon league, what was the motivation for you and the frontier league to move into previously uncharted territory on on the East coast in Canada when that had never really been done before in the history of the frontier league?
2: I think, uh, I think, well, it was more because of the fact that you had, you created such a large footprint and we were hoping that uh, that it would lead to some expansion at some point. And remember, when we first started our conversations, and and even even a year or so ago when we had our All Star game up at uh, you know with, at, at Rockland, um, and the Frontier League did beat the Can-Am League. I'll re- remind you guys of that seven to one.
0: <laughs> yep, I was there. <laughs> I watched that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but even that was even pre. Uh, that was even prior to the MLB announcement about contraction. Yeah, And we were, uh, you know, we were going to work really hard on trying to get other markets in. Cause we had a couple of markets that were, that were you know, interested in us and, and they had some extra markets that were interested in them. So we thought we could probably fill in some of this geographics, but being a part of something bigger was uh, attractive to everyone. And creating that that kind of a footprint, making it the largest league in independent ball, and then um, uh, and then hopefully leading to some marketing efforts and things like that between between the leagues and other and the other independent leagues, that it would be uh, that it would be a real positive for our industry.
1: Mm-hmm. And is there, uh, simply, is there, is there like an ideal number that you look at, uh, as far as number of teams in the frontier league that say in five years, you say, this is the number I'd like to get to, as far as the, how big the frontier league you think can get.
2: Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this, Will, when I first took this job in, uh, in, in, I guess they hired me here and my officially started on like June 1st of 1994 was my first start date. And, um, they hired me in February, but, uh, anyway, it was, I, my dream was to always get the league to 16 teams because 16 is great for scheduling and everything else. And we've been at 14 and, uh, but I think now we, you know, we're already at 15. So I think 16 is going to be very attainable. Uh, I think, you know, and it could possibly grow past that. So, um, you know, we're just going to wait and see where it goes, but there is no, quote-unquote ideal number obviously the only thing that you'd like to try and do is stay on an even number so you can mm-hmm. so you can stay away from having a road team but um you know if you have a road team with that you know that large of a league that may not be so bad
1: yeah right uh, and, and the one the one last question i want to i wanted to ask about the merger before i uh, before i throw it back to nick was that when you when you merged with the Frontier League, obvious, excuse me, When
2: the I mean, Frontier can't League can't.
1: merged with the Canham League, yeah. obviously the big difference as far as the players themselves is, well, the Frontier League had an age limit and and the Canham <laughs> League did not. So I, I was wondering what was what was the uh, reason that you guys kept the you you obviously grandfathered in some of those teams you had, you had four guys uh that could be over the age limit of 27 but what was the uh what was the reason that you guys decided to keep that age limit in place even when merging with, with the can-am league
2: well we kept, because as you go forward here with the lower salary cap obviously you want to get bring the age down too it's a little lower salary cap too than the can-am it had So, uh, but they felt that they, that some of the older players were important to them and you know what, and as, and as we started talking, um, some of our owners felt the same that we wanted to make sure that these guys felt comfortable coming in. So we adapted some of our, our rules to, to uh, include some of theirs and, and certain things will change over time. Um but uh but we wanted to make sure that everybody was comfortable coming in and, and everybody got got something that they were after. And uh and there was a lot of there was a lot of uh uh reaching across the aisle so to speak and, and, and mutual agreement and and little bending on all fronts to make this
0: thing work.
1: Yeah. Uh I I guess I with that I will throw it
0: back to Nick. All right. Uh so my next I guess kind of line of of questions really pertains uh, back to Ottawa. And I guess it's kind of fitting that we come off of merger talk and go into Ottawa. And obviously, Ottawa was that one market that didn't make the jump over. And they did have issues at that time. Uh, I know it's very active in, in covering their issues with their lease. And that's obviously been sorted out. There's a team now back there again in the frontier league and it has very stable ownership it has very reputable people behind it and it's coming together really nicely so i suppose my question here is what was that process like adding ottawa back into uh, the fold of teams and also what just kind of drew you back to the city of ottawa
2: well um yeah when we were going through the merger and you know in ottawa uh, having this, the the six team there, we, we were at nine at the time, and then that would have been six, mm. so they put put us at an odd number, um, but which we were willing to do, obviously. But but one of the things that we wanted to make sure was that everybody had a lease in place, yeah. and as you mentioned, Nick, yeah. uh, yes. there wasn't uh, there wasn't a lot. the The, the lease was was uh, not in place at that time. And uh, and believe me, I mean it, it. It was sad for me personally because Miles Wolf and I had become over the years. I've known Miles since nineteen eighty one. Right after I got into the into the Southern League when I was working when I got in the business,
0: yep.
2: uh, Miles was one of the first people I remember meeting from another league uh, at the time. Yep. And uh, uh, but we've been friends for many many years, and and it hurt that uh, that uh, Miles' team couldn't quite make the jump at that point in time and uh and i felt terrible about it Mm. and um but as time went on and then sam cates uh came in to take to to pick up the lease and with sam and his partners the osig the uh, auto sports entertainment group um it gave us a, a huge leg up on the strength of the of the of the ownership group uh the respect it's going to command in the, in the city of Ottawa. And there's, there's going to be some, some surprises coming out with that one. I think too, is who's going to be involved in it and things like that. There's some, there's some big names getting involved to be getting ready to be involved in that.
0: I'm interested to see what those are, who those big names are rather. And, uh, I I am going to ask a question, which I'm sure a lot of people are wondering here about Ottawa, which is, and I'm not sure if you know the answer to it, which is when can we expect to start to see some branding from them or or anything like that? Because I know a lot of people are interested in that kind of a thing.
2: Right. I'm not sure. And I know they're going to have a name the team contest. I think, I think everybody's more concerned right now, guys, with yeah. can we even get off the ground for 2021 um, uh. based on all these different regulations and where we're at with COVID? And uh, that's still a that, that's still a scary process for all of us right now. I mean, uh, honestly, God, if, you know, I've had so many people say, well, when do you think you're going to get to start next year? And I've told people, that, well, if, if I knew what COVID was going to do, I, I wouldn't worry about the Frontier League because I'd be a billionaire and I wouldn't have to worry about it. <laughs> but yeah. if, uh, you know, it's that's still going to be the biggest thing that comes into play with everything we're doing right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, because I imagine the border situation just adds a whole nother level onto it. Seeing as you have three teams yeah, up there absolutely,
2: now. Yeah. absolutely, Nick, the, the border is is huge, and if it stays closed, you know, and and we've got three teams across that border, um, you know, this past year, I know, I know, Winnipeg went down and played all their games, you know, in the United in in the states, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't think that's you know. It, you know, it's one thing when, when an MLB team or an NHL team goes and plays in a pod, uh, it's, it's you know, there's a lot of TV money and it's, boy, I'll tell yeah. you, I don't know how much, uh, you know, an independent baseball league team could do that.
0: Yeah, plus I imagine it's a lot more difficult when there's three teams as opposed to one team. And and like you said, it it's a lot harder to make it financially viable to do a pod situation uh, when there's no real tv revenue from it and uh, that's correct yep and then uh, i guess i'm gonna ask a question i had it written down here and i know when we made the announcement we were going to have you on this is one question that also came up fairly uh fairly frequently but obviously it's going to depend on when you have a roster of teams figured out but uh, when do you see a schedule coming out roughly
2: you know if you if you look at it right now um i would probably say that if with A little more knowledge of when the vaccine is and and what we're going to have, I would say, if if we're lucky, in in late January, early February.
0: Okay. All right.
2: And that's tentative. That would be tentative.
0: Yeah, obviously it depends on what the virus does
2: absolutely what the what the vaccine is and how fast it can get out and you know fortunately at my age of 67 i'm going to be up in there sooner or later you know i'm going to be one of those guys that gets to get it
0: yeah you're on the top of the list (laughs) me and will are at the very bottom (laughs) uh but uh so the last real question i have before i'll throw it back to will to ask anything he has left to ask is i i know you mentioned earlier uh you met with the with the other two major independent leagues and i guess now with the pioneers league's announcement of there being a partnership league as well uh I remember hearing a while back, right when all the partnerships were announced, uh, Josh Schaub, the commissioner of the American Association, went on to, I think it was the Sabre podcast, and had mentioned some sort of postseason play between the three partnership leagues at that time. And so I was wondering, are we anywhere near close to, say, an partnership league Memorial Cup-type tournament? Because this is something I've talked about for a very long time and I've always been a huge advocate for.
2: Well, um, are we anywhere near there at this point? No, okay. not right now. But is there interest? Yes, uh, from all of us. Uh, I, I don't know about the Pioneer League yet. Yeah, um, we have not had any conversations with them. Um, I would uh, here or anywhere else make the make the overture to them that the Frontier League is here to help them and talk to them if they want to discuss anything with uh, you know, what's set up and help them with with certain things and in in, in in going to a, you know and I'm not even gonna use the term indie, indie any yeah. I'm gonna use the term Partner League baseball. Yeah. Uh but uh operating independently on their own is is uh if they need help from us, we would be willing to help them as well. Yeah. Um because it, it only does uh, it, it benefits us all when people that are in that same same uh, caliber play or, or in that same genre, let's call it,
0: yeah.
2: um, that we do well. Yeah, And, uh, you know, we want to make sure that everybody does well.
0: Absolutely. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. Uh, will- now, you
2: mentioned something. You mentioned something, yep. too, a little while earlier, Right yes. before this, you said kind of like the Memorial Cup. Yes. Right? I guarantee you guys, I'm yeah. the only guy in professional baseball that you will know all right, that actually put on the Memorial Cup one year.
0: Oh yeah, when you were with Seattle <laughs> in
2: 1992, <laughs> absolutely, we hosted the Memorial Cup that year, and uh, uh, the year prior to that, 1991, it was held in Quebec City, and that was my uh-huh. first time that I got to go to Quebec City, and and I watched Eric Lindros play up there. But then, um, but when we had it in '92, it was us and Camloops and uh boy I, for, I forget the the two other teams that were in i forget who was from um the uh ontario league and who was from the quebec league i, f- I forget the entries at that yeah. point but uh yeah but it was fun and uh, putting that thing on and and we played it in seattle and and uh but it was yeah, yeah i didn't realize how big a deal it was until we were in the midst of hosting it
0: all oh, right it's it's amazing up there i mean as a huge hockey fan i i'm fairly well versed in and as a ranger fan when you say eric lindros i have very mixed feelings about him
2: Oh, i'm sure uh, i'm sure
0: yeah Well, uh, will i'm not sure what you have uh, left to ask because i know billy you've been very generous with your time and i know we said oh, i'm fine
2: i'm fine guys i can i can go a little longer if you
0: want yeah sure absolutely uh we'll definitely take and uh, will whatever you have left to ask i guess now is the time to ask it
1: yeah so i pretty much just have one question left to you uh Obviously, you've been the commissioner of, of, of the Frontier Leagues since, since 1994, and uh, and independent ball has now complete. It's completely changed since since when you started, and obviously now becoming uh, a partner league baseball. So, uh, my question to you would be, and I know it's kind of an open ended question but what do you think your biggest accomplishment in your time as what has been the biggest accomplishment in your time as frontier league commissioner in your opinion
2: wow you know uh well that's 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 really a, a great question and and because there's there's been a lot i think you know that's been that's been helpful You know, I've been a commissioner a long time, and I don't know whether it's uh, they can't find anybody else dumb enough to take it or whether I just keep drawing the short straw. You know, I don't know how it goes, but um, I've loved it. Uh, And, you know, I love the I love the fans. I love all the former players. They're like many of them are like sons to me now. Um, watching people move on like a Fran Reardon that's a A manager and, and maybe a big league manager one day. Um, those kind of guys that spend a lot of time in this league watching the, uh, watching the league grow from playing in high school fields and in little city parks to beautiful multi million dollar stadiums, uh, and, uh, you know, the artificial turf fields and the, and, uh, and, and guys moving on and playing in the big leagues and uh those changes and then just this, this recent partnership with MLB which for me is like one of the crowning moments the, the when we signed that I actually got the the document that we signed and I'm I'm getting it framed as we speak um just for me you know yeah. um, that was that was huge just, I think that that just showed the the how much it's Gone full circle, in a sense, um, or I should say, maybe one 180 degree. Um, and but I think more than anything, and is is that that I'm the most proud of is the relationships that I've made with so many people, not only in independent ball, but in, you know, on the baseball side of things, but with the fans, with the with the politicians, with the management people, with some of the owners, with. Um, you know, scouts with everybody around the game that has uh, that I've become friends with and um, had personal relationships. I, I got I got a bunch of people telling me, "Bill, you need to write a book about all this." And and I probably do.
0: I mean, I'd write um, a book,
2: but it's uh, it would be you know, and that that would be fun. I don't know whether to do it about independent ball or just my whole career because this is my fortieth year basically in the business and um you know it's but my whole life because my dad was a former major league player my and a college baseball coach so it's you know baseball's been my whole life since i was a little kid i started being a bat boy when i was three years old for some of his teams. so um you know it's 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 uh it's a career that i've loved and it's and it's taken me places uh the frontier leagues allowed me the to and, and the game of baseball has allowed me to go places i never would have gotten to go and meet people i never would have gotten to meet um And, and I'm just appreciative of that fact. So it's hard to say what would I consider a, uh, a crowning achievement, but I'll tell you the, the one with the, the major league partnership document was, is, is, is personally, uh, one of the most gratifying things that, that I've, that I've witnessed since I've, uh, I've run up and, you know, another great one for us was when we got our first major league players in. Into the, into the big leagues, uh, like when Brian Tolberg and Morgan Burkhart was kind of like Morgan Burkhart was the Babe Ruth of the Frontier League. And, uh, and I was there and, and I saw him play in, in, uh, White Sox Park one day on a Saturday. And, nice. and man, he came up and they list put him on the big screen up there in, in, in Comiskey and, um, and it said Frontier, three time Frontier League most valuable player, Morgan Burkhart and he's got his mug up there on on the big big screen tv and i just i started crying you know i mean it was i was so happy you know yeah. um and 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 seeing these kids and morgan's now the assistant heating coach to the big leagues for the san diego padres and uh seeing these guys uh, move up and move on and I'm just I, – I haven't I had one thing happen yet, though, guys, that I'm kind of waiting on to happen because, yeah. you know, many times we get calls from players yeah, all over the country that say, hey, you know, I'd like to play in the Frontier League, blah, 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 or I'll get a coach from a dad or a call from a dad every now and then. Hey, I got a son, you know, I mean, let's, yeah. Bob Gibson called one day and said, you yeah, know, Bill, it's Bob Gibson, and I said, yes, sir. Yeah. And growing up in the St. Louis area like I did, I mean, everybody knew Bob Gibson's yeah. voice, and I'm like, yeah. holy cow, this is Bob Gibson I'm talking to. And he said, Bill, I got a son. And then, boom, you know, and then I was yeah. fine. I said, oh, yes, sir. Bob, well, yeah, Bob, what can I do for you? You know, yeah. like that. <laughs> and, you know, seeing those guys, went, but I haven't had a call yet from a former Frontier League player back, say, in the in the early, to, you know, the, the mid-90s okay. that says, Bill, I've got a son that I need to, that needs to play. And, uh, um. I think that that's yeah. when I get that one. I'm really going to feel old, guys. But uh, we do have yeah. a former player. His name was Chris Little. His, his yeah. son is—I uh, think he's the number six overall prospect in the country next year. uh oh. and he's out of high school and he's already signed, committed to go to Vanderbilt. But he's out of the St. Louis area, and uh, uh, the kid's like the number six prospect. His name's yeah. Christian Little, and uh, yeah. so those kind of things are pretty cool to see happen
0: yeah it's seeing the evolution yeah well i didn't mean to cut you off yeah
1: oh the, the, the one the one thing it's funny you're talking about players in the uh players who used to play in the frontier league now in the mlb it, it just got me thinking what about what about nick anderson uh who's probably what one of the best relievers maybe the best reliever in baseball now how was how it to watch uh, a frontier league alum in the world series this year <laughs>
2: it was great it was great and technically you know there were three guys on that tampa ross on, on on the on the race uh there was trevor richards uh he, and he had just gotten you know he'd gotten sent back to AAA, and then um jose martinez that was with the cardinals and got sent over to the race jose played at at rockford uh in the frontier league for a little bit and uh and he and Nick were teammates uh at one point so uh it was i mean it's it's crazy some of the things we've seen and guys that have gone on and done well but we was just happy to see nick get that opportunity to pitch in the in the and he played for our travel team as well for the grays and um it was just wonderful to see these guys get their opportunities
0: yeah absolutely there and i i know personally speaking i would certainly buy a book if you wrote it i'm very interested to know all this kind of behind the the scenes how indie ball works all of this i i'm just like a junkie when it comes to that kind of a thing and <laughs> and uh, i'm sure i speak for well on this but we're very appreciative of the time you spend here i know we originally said 30 minutes and you've been very generous with your time and so with that i uh, what I like to do is whenever we have somebody on, uh, give them five minutes at the end to uh, say anything they want to say that we may not have gotten to uh, clarify anything that may not have been totally clear or or promote anything they want to promote. Uh, if you want to do that now is now is the time. The floor is yours.
2: Well, personally, guys, thank you very much for allowing me to come on with you and and uh, and thinking of me as a guest. I, I certainly appreciate that. Uh, feel free to get with me anytime you want. And, and i'll be happy to do that um you know it it, it says a lot for you guys that yeah. you're you're fully prepared and that you know if we ran over you know i, I yeah. know we said maybe let's do about 30 minutes and if we ran over it's only because it was easy and it was fun yeah. and uh and i appreciate it greatly uh i appreciate uh what you do for for our industry um above all i appreciate all these players and the fans that have. That have sacrificed so much over the years. Uh, I look back at the Frontier League when it started, and I think of our guys. That I mean, I got to know most of almost when we were at eight teams, you know, and I uh, I was traveling a lot more than I was a lot younger guy then, um, and and it was. It was a family and that's what made the Frontier League grow was the family atmosphere that we had. Um, and those players sacrificed and, and, and scrimped and scraped and, and played hard. But then after, after a game, boy, we'd all go have a beer together and talk about things and, and, and have a good time. And, and it, and it created a, uh, a love for this league um, that, that still remains, still remains with a lot of those guys. And I get on those websites on the older websites and it's, it's so much fun to reminisce a little bit, but also it's, it's fun to see where uh, this can go now. And uh, you know, one of these days I'm going to step aside and, and uh, I want somebody to come in here and and have this thing in the best shape that it's ever been. So um, you know what guys, I, I thank you so very, very much for the kind words and, and for the opportunity. And if uh, any fans out there want to get in touch with me, please just email me, be Lee at dot com, And uh, I'll be happy
0: to talk with you. Yeah, we definitely so appreciate thank you gentlemen. Yep, yeah, Thank you very much for coming on the show. Like I said, we really appreciate it. And we'd love to have you back on again. Uh, maybe when the season starts to get going, whenever that is. <laughs> that sounds great. That sounds great to me,
2: guys. Yeah, you got my, you got my, all my contact information now Nick, so please feel free and and i uh, just want to wish uh, happy holiday and, and happy holidays and merry christmas to everybody uh, let's let's pull to be that this damn covid goes away and and we've got this thing beaten we can have a 2021 season
0: absolutely thank you very much thank you gentlemen it's my pleasure all right we are back great interview we did with bill lee uh again i want to just thank him for coming on the show i definitely appreciate him taking time out of his day especially um we have so many pieces for not just Uh indie ball but for uh, minor league ball in general still up and in the air and so i really do appreciate that i'm sure you will you appreciate it as well and uh, i think i speak for both of us here when i say uh he's more than welcome back anytime he'd like oh yeah Oh, yeah.
1: A- a- time. And I guess as-, as far as my favorite part of the interview, my, my big takeaway uh, for me is kind of it-, it-, it was very timely that it was a very timely conversation, but also it doesn't just have to revolve around the current times we are in now considering the frontier league is was just expanded pretty pretty majorly just a couple uh just just a year ago so i, I the big takeaway for me is really what he looks for in w- when he's looking to add a new market because especially um, especially in the world of indie ball you see sometimes moves uh that are that com- leagues and commissioners look to make to other markets that maybe wasn't such a great idea and they don't they don't succeed new britain uh really comes to mind in my opinion a lot of uh that de- definitely a move that didn't work out <clears throat> there and, and i thought that it was it was really interesting to hear him talk about this str- the the importance of, of the ownership group and he and he didn't um, he didn't dance around the fact that listen, you need to have money if you want to play this game because I mean, you're not going to join a frontier league and just expect to make like g- like oodles and oodles of uh, of profit. It's just not going to work that way. And if you if you come in with not not a lot of capital to work with, unfortunately, you're not going to have a ton of success in the frontier league or or really in any minor league sports in general. And we're really seeing this now with teams uh, presented with the, with the option of going uh, to an independent league and they're saying, well, Oh wait, you guys have to pay for your staff and your players. And Oh no, we can't, we, we can't possibly do that. Well, that's, that's unfortunately that that's the reality of operating an independent league team and Billy really didn't dance around that fact. And I thought to me that was the, that was a really interesting thing to hear about what he specifically looks for uh, in markets because everybody's, everybody says, Oh, I, I would love to own a baseball, a, a professional baseball team. I'd love to own a, an independent league team. Like that that sounds like so much fun. But uh, as you, as you can see with, The Staten Island situation, which we'll get into a bit later, there's so much more that that comes with that, and Billy really did a nice job, I think, with that specific answer, talking about what what really plays into a market that he looks at and he thinks can be successful uh, long-term in the Frontier League.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, he definitely dove into what He said, you know, we want the market, we want a good facility, we want the good ownership structure, and we want the, the day-to-day operations. And I thought it was very interesting for him to say the day-to-day operations is the most important aspect of it. If you have a weak owner, you can compensate for it if you have... Uh, a good facility or a good market if you have a good market then you can kind of compensate for having a lackluster facility or having a lackluster owner you can if you have two of them you you can make do with the rest but you need to have good day to day structure and the more you think about it the more it, it totally makes sense because you need to have people on the ground that are doing the the grinding work the work that directly will impact uh, the fan experience which is obviously key to you know running a minor league entertainment business which really at the end of the day sports is an entertainment business obviously if you're a huge sport fan you put more meaning behind it than say a film or or a concert but at the end of the day you're going there for two hours to be entertained and that's how it works so if you have a poor experience there if you're not entertained if it's more of a headache if you're more annoyed while you're there you're not going to want to come back so you It falls on the day to day people, the game operations people, the staff that you're seeing and interacting with and the people that are telling them, "Okay, you need to be here, here and here. We're going to run this shop like this. We're going to run this concession stand like this. We're going to do these giveaways. We're going to do these in game promotional things. It falls on them to make sure they're doing their absolute best. Otherwise, the wheels come off the wagon and then you're just going nowhere. And for him to talk about all of this and then point out day to day, that was really interesting to me. But also, you're, you're spot on when he says you need money to, to be a long-term success here. You don't really get into minor league sports to make a lot of money. Uh, you certainly don't in independent league ball and, You know, you're going to need money to be able to bank all this, at least for the initial five years, to really get off the ground and start to establish yourself, especially if you don't have or if you only have your ownership group and the day-to-day operations in place and the market maybe not great or maybe the facilities are lackluster, you're going to need a a cushion to really uh, stay off the ground. Uh, For me, another thing that was just kind of interesting uh, talking about it is how when he said for us the relationship with major league baseball was always good as independent leagues and now partnership leagues our qualms was never with the mlb they were always good to us it was the minor leagues the affiliated minor leagues that were our issue uh, they wanted nothing to do with us they saw us as competition and that was really where the relationship was strained and uh, when you when you hear that and then, obviously, you alluded to Staten Island, which uh, I'm sure we both have a slew of thoughts on, which we'll get into towards the end of the show. Uh, but when you see the that kind of an attitude and that kind of reaction, and then, you know, you see how everything's kind of playing out, off the bat, you start to feel a lot more aligned with... I don't want to say you want to feel aligned with Major League Baseball because I still think what they're doing is, is pretty crappy of them. Uh, but at the end of the day, you start to go, okay, yeah, the MILB clubs here are far from innocent themselves. And uh, it does it adds on there to just like, I don't get why they're so anti-independent league ball or I guess technically partnership ball now. I'm going to have to start a... Uh, I put a dollar in the jar every time you say indie ball thing now, but uh, yeah, that that was just something that stuck out to me is how much that MILB was giving the Indie leagues a lot of trouble uh, leading up to this partnership.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point and something I, I never knew coming. I, I never knew coming into the into the interview with Bill Lee, and, and it, it really makes you wonder because in a lot of in a lot of ways they're not that. They're 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 not that different from each other as far as the minor leagues and indie ball. The only real difference is is that indie ball you have to pay your players and you have to pay uh and you have to pay your staff. Uh, and I'm not sure 100 percent sure how travel works. Of, of course, it's it's more financially viable to run an affiliated market. I don't think any of yeah. Any I think
0: us- uh, I think pre. This whole PBA expiring, I believe travel was split between the affiliated club and the parent club. But I'm okay. not 100% certain on that.
1: Right. So that that to me is interesting, especially when a lot of the uh, – I mean different minor league teams have have at times brought, brought guys from independent leagues onto their roster and they've made a big impact. So to me, you're right when you say I don't really understand – why the minor leagues has such an uh, had such an issue uh, with with independent ball? I mean, I, I don't really view them as competitors in a lot of ways. I mean, I guess it depends on the specific market. But when you look at where the frontier league teams are really situated, I don't see them really being that. I don't really see the competition that I guess the minor the minor leagues thought that indie ball was. And so, yeah, you're right. I, that was that was a really interesting point to me, and it's kind of it's kind of odd to me that could, because I, I was under the impression the whole time that it was like, oh, Major League Baseball doesn't really recognize the independent leagues. I didn't know it was more the minor leagues, not not so much the major leagues themselves.
0: Yeah, and I, I get where MILB's is coming from when they don't want to really acknowledge or associate with the independent leagues because I mean they are in competition with them for the same group of people for the same dollars at the end of the day it's family dollars or just people looking for something to do and i mean if we're talking general public here which is i suppose their main uh, client base i don't think they really care at the end of the day who's on the field whether they're affiliated or unaffiliated uh but i mean obviously judging off of uh, arguments made by a lot of uh, recently uh, either asked to move down the chain or Asked to get off the chain teams. Uh, they seem to believe the affiliation does matter. But that's a debate for later on. Uh, but I get where they're coming from in this in that sense. Where it's, look, we're in competition because we're going for the same group of people. And you can't see two baseball games at the same time. And if we don't prevent them from getting our people, then they'll take them all. And I get that. But at the same time, we have numerous examples of successful independent league teams getting put under because an affiliated team came to town. If you're that concerned about, you know, these independent league teams siphoning off that much of your money, or at least enough where it would cause a legitimate issue, then you could either move a team into that market and then just kill off the team entirely. Or what you could do is run your business better to prevent them from siphoning that off. I mean, we do have examples of affiliated and unaffiliated teams in the same market and the independent lake team just, quite frankly, doing better. And if you're going to say all things are equal, if you want to say the affiliation matters that much, then you should be doing better. Or the affiliation doesn't matter, in which case then it comes down to how you're running your team and how you're running the business aspect of it. Or it comes down to you play in a worse stadium, so do something about it. Like, there's a lot of things that fall incumbent on the team or the team owner of the city where, you know, you really have no right to complain about it. And I just don't see the issue here. And, uh... Yeah, I agree. In going with that. So uh, it was something that was of, of interest to me. I also uh, found it interesting how he said, you know, going forward, we kind of expect that the Frontier League is going to be a really important uh, part of this partnership because we're going to have a lot of younger players and especially oh, yeah. with the draft being cut down to about 20 rounds. It leaves 20 rounds worth of players that would have otherwise been rostered now without a team to play in. And that's exactly what the Frontier League's looking for. I suppose that's exactly what the Pioneer League's also looking for. And uh, it will be interesting to see there. I also uh, did note how he said, look, if anyone from the Pioneer League wants to reach out, we will be more than happy to help them make that transition. And uh, yeah, I just I thought that was very very interesting there. And I also liked how you pointed out, uh, the partnership does remove a bit of a stigma that was around independent league baseball too. How uh, it was kind of the sideshow thing. And now it's in the, uh, the main ring. It's, it's acknowledged and it's, it's that much of an achievement, uh, for all the independent league clubs that are now partner clubs. It's just been a total, uh, a 180 on how they started to where they are now. And, uh, yeah, I thought that was very interesting
1: yeah i agree I, I think that did i did find it interesting that he he essentially gave an open invitation to the pioneer league feel like hey if you if you guys need any help uh feel feel free to reach out to us i thought I thought that was nice we we're, we're all we're all one big happy family
0: exactly yeah help your neighbors out i mean they, you benefit when everybody's doing well so i mean you should be striving to do that well and yeah. uh, you know that that was nice to see i also uh, when I asked him about, you know, what was the deal with Ottawa and all that Ottawa line of questioning, when he started talking about uh, how close a frenzy was to Miles Wolf, I really see why they tried to get Ottawa in there and why it was really disappointing that Ottawa just couldn't get their act together and they managed to get that lease done and get into that league. And, uh, obviously now we also have Ottawa news that we'll talk about right when we finish talking about this interview, but, yeah. uh, it's obviously, um. It was something that meant uh, meant something to him, and uh, he really wanted to add that team. And there's obviously a deep friendship there. And now Ottawa is back, and we'll see how they manage to do. But uh, I will say I want to point out my branding question was on point. I asked that question on Tuesday afternoon, yep. Thursday morning, we got an answer. So I guess uh maybe you got through the grapevine. Who knows?
1: Yep that that that, that that's right. They'd be like, "Oh wait, we forgot. They need a name." Oh Ooh, wait,
0: it. I mean, judging by the way they did up that logo, it seems like that's what they did. Like, oh shit, we need a name. <laughs> uh,
1: I don't mind, I don't mind the logo. It seems you don't like it. I kind of like it.
0: Okay, it's basically Gosmer with a baseball hat on, but. Uh, We'll get into that in just a second here. I just want to kind of wrap up the, the rest of the interview here. I also uh, just want to, there's only really two other things of major note here I wanted to point out. Uh, the Canadian border is still being a bit of an issue. Uh, we'll wait and we'll see on that. And also how there hasn't really been any sort of formal club-to-club negotiation. Uh, he said that there were some people just checking in, really doing uh, due diligence on that. And there really hasn't been any movement on individual teams themselves that will be added. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that was something of note there. And also how we are supposedly going to get a schedule out, hopefully, in February of 21 for the 21 season. So that's got to be difficult for the clubs. But uh, as he said, everything is so tentative and so fluid with the COVID situation. It, we just can't have a schedule yet. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you'd have to think that other other leagues, like uh, specifically I'd say the Atlantic League, I'm not sure how much the American Association is going to be involved with the contracted minor leagues. I guess we'll have to see. No. But I feel like the Atlantic League will probably be on a similar timeline, you would think.
0: Yeah, I got to imagine. I, I don't think we're going to see any uh, any sort of rush coming from them. I know I remember hearing that the American Association – they needed their full roster of teams by January 1st, so they'll probably have a uh, a schedule of some sort out, my guess is like mid-January, if that's when they have all their teams in. So I expect yeah. within about a month or so we should start to see more, uh, more coming out of there, but that's a whole... A whole bottle of wax what's happening over in the american association but uh i guess before we uh ramp everything up here uh any sort of closing thoughts on the on the bill lee interview uh as it stands now
1: yeah i mean it was it, it, it was an honor to be able to 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 sit down and and, and talk with with bill lee i had a really fun time con- conducting the interview as I, as I know you did as well and it, it's it's kind of fun to it's kind of fun to think about. I mean, I, I obviously wasn't around for the uh, for the whole for the entire history of the Indie Ball Report, but I was I was a listener uh, back yeah. in the, back in the day. But and it, 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 it's really cool to see that now. I mean, the Indie Ball Report podcast is. Hosting forty-five minute long conversations with commissioners of of indie ball leagues. I mean, who who would have thought? So uh, th- it was definitely a really fun interview, and I am very very grateful to Billy that he took the time and he took that he took so much time, as much time as he did to come on and and really talk us through everything, uh, everything frontier league related at the moment.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely, there. And I mean, he was more. I think honestly, if I would have asked like, oh, can you stay for an hour? Like, ah! Oh yeah, sure, no problem. And we could have went, yeah. honestly, I think we could have went for another 45 minutes or even another hour on top of what we did. So uh, he's very generous with this time. He's very, I just get the sense he's a very, he's a very good guy. Like, that's just what I got to say in the end of the day. He's an honest guy. He seems like a really fair guy. Like when you asked him about the whole... Uh, you know, what's the deal with the whole, you allow four veteran players, that kind of roster rule thing? And he said, yeah, the, the guys coming in from the Can-Am League, we wanted to make them feel comfortable. They said the veteran players mean a lot to their team, so we amended our rules. We wanted to keep our identity as a league for younger players, and we did that, but we wanted them to feel comfortable in there. And uh, you could just tell by that, plus just the way that, the whole interview went and the whole process went he, he's just such a nice guy and i i do agree like like everything about him is just great at, at least from what we had and he's just it's just such a nice guy really at the end of the day is what i my main takeaway was and and it is weird to see how far the show's gone interviews with commissioners coos and just like the all the high ranking brass it's just so so weird to see it and i guess i'll i just kind of end it off here uh, with if billy does write that book i will be more than happy to purchase that book and read it, it is something Good. of certain interest to me and and I'll, I'll just put it out here like this if he writes the book he's more than happy to come on here and promote the book certainly
1: sure okay. yeah 100 percent.
0: yeah so i guess with that we'll go to other news in the frontier league we do have a lot to cover so uh we should be uh, fairly quick about some of these more uh, minor announcements but they still matter so they get announced anyway um the Ottawa rebrand, or I guess Ottawa branding. Uh, on Thursday morning, it was announced that Ottawa has a new name and a new logo for their new club. Uh, this team is the 15th in the Frontier League, and the team will be called the Ottawa Titans. And the Ottawa Titans logo is essentially uh, if you shaved the Looney Tunes gossamer and gave him a baseball bat and tattooed a maple leaf on their arm. Uh, that That's what I see when I see the logo, to be quite honest. To me,
1: I kind of like the logo. I I, I do. Um, well, I guess I'll start with the name first. I I really I really do like the name because in, in this day and age with indie ball teams and when the when when you're uh, naming teams, sometimes it goes a little wacky. However, in this case, uh, it, it kind of went like obviously obviously like Titans is. I mean, it's creative, but it, it's it's kind of classic. Obviously, there's other teams called the titans you you know i I kind of appreciate that uh we didn't go something just completely off the rails like i don't know the hogzilla's
2: yeah uh,
1: and so uh and as far as the logo i mean you might i mean you don't like it but i I think it's kind of cool and i think the mascot's gonna look very very uh interesting uh that the mascot is really what I'm, i'm not looking so much for good i'm just looking for funny that's just me and, and and I think that uh, the Ottawa mascot will be very funny if he looks anything like the logo.
0: I'm see it, for me the logo just looks so so amateurish. It just looks like you gave an intern two hours to to draw something up, and this is what they came up with. It just looks it looks so down and dirty, and just. I feel like it just doesn't look like a professional baseball team's logo, I think, is my qualm at the end of the day. It looks like the kind of thing that somebody on Instagram would draw up real quick, but not even that, because I follow a lot of graphic designers on Instagram and, and Twitter and whatnot, and honestly, I like their work better than that. Uh, it just, just doesn't look great. As far as the Titans name goes, I said it on on Twitter, and I'll say it again here, I don't dislike it. I'm just not wowed by it and i I do appreciate that they didn't go off the rails like y'all's was a bit much although it does have local significance obviously hogzillas and and all of that from Gastonia is a bit much there and a slew of other things that were uh well just they they I don't know where the hell they came from just look across minor League baseball you'll find a handful of uh ideas and names that aren't uh exactly the best but like for me i just don't really know what a titan has to do with ottawa like i had different names like i have four right here that i was going to turn to actually my little uh, preamble or postamble at the end of the show this week but i guess i'll just toss them out now like ramparts would have been cool you could have done armada that would have been cool the ottawa rockets that would have been nice uh, or and I just really like this word so that's why I went with it the Ottawa Paladins
1: like the wait the what the pala what?
0: The paladins.
1: What is a paladin?
0: From my understanding a paladin is essentially a foot soldier. So you could have had like a really cool like former like Roman soldier like uh, I guess oh. they're a Centurion like that kind of a look or like a Roman swordsman. Something like that. It's essentially like that, from my understanding of it.
1: Yeah, I, 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 Nick, I feel like, uh, I feel like they, they heard, they heard Bill Lee got on the phone with, with, like I said earlier, they got on the phone with, uh with, with Sam Katz and the rest of the Ottawa ownership groups. Like, go, oh, we, we need a logo now. I completely forgot. We need, we have to name this team. They're like, uh, Titans? Titans, sure. That works. Uh, and, uh, give somebody a couple hours to draw the logo and we're good.
0: Yeah. Like, like, I really hope, that because i was talking with someone last night and i was just saying i really hope they didn't go in-house for this and then i started to think about i was like i really hope they didn't pay anybody to make this because i know (laughs) there were better people that submitted very cheap offers to do them a logo and they never got back to them
1: i and speaking of which if Ottawa can come up with a name, where the hell is the Gastonia name? We have we had the finalists forever now, and the votes are in. Well, what is the holdup over there?
0: That's what I was wondering, too. I thought about that last night when I was writing these notes. I was like, Ottawa announced that they had a team. They announced they were doing a name-the-team contest. and came up with a name and a logo before Gastonia finished their part two of their name-the-team contest. And that was supposed to be out in November. It was supposed to well, be yeah, out to so they get merch out. On
1: Halloween. Yeah, like the, the 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 voting closed on Halloween. It's now December fourth.
0: Exactly. Like, like, look, look, David, I I know you're probably not listening, but if you are, we had you on the show. We liked having you on the show. We're going to have you back on again when the season gets going. But you need a name. This needs to get yeah. done quickly. I we can't
1: are keep in the Gastonia Professional Baseball Club.
0: Exactly. It's just too much. It's too wordy, and. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, As we record this, we're three weeks away from Christmas with the way that it seems like every package shipping place is being delayed this year. uh, You you need to announce that name like within the next week, if you want any shot of selling merchandise for Christmas and you really, the branding is going to help you in a lot of sales and it's going to really help market this team. I don't need to tell you that you've been doing this for a very long time. So Please, just announce the name already. Uh, I don't
1: even really care what
0: it is. Like, honestly, yeah. Like, at this point, I'm kind of over, like, whatever name I was stumping for. Just announce the name, please. Like, we need to get this ball rolling here on this front. And really, there hasn't been anything else from the Atlantic League in a very long time. Unless you count Staten Island. So, we need some positive Atlantic League news. That so, is true. So I, I'm going to leave off the branding there like that. Uh, it is it is what it is there. We'll link the logos and everything uh, down below. I will say, though, their wordmark, the secondary logo, the O that's interlocked with the T, I do like that. And that would look very nice on a baseball hat. Right.
1: I, I tell you what, it, it's, you mentioned the Atlantic League hasn't had positive news in a while. Here, I'm just going to scroll through my, my latest post. Staten Island seizing operation Sugarland leaves. Indie Ball Report episode. Trenton Thunder say that they will not go to a consolation league. Uh, the Patriots leaving, Patriots reportedly leaving, and that, those are like my last like six or seven. So yeah, you know that covers all in November. Need, I need some. I need some positive content here.
0: Exactly. It's do it for Will. Give Will Just something. Pos- give him something positive to post about. Now, it's hard out here. Exa- give him a positive logo to post. Maybe like a a totally decked out warthog on a motorcycle. No, that'd be cool. That'd be a good logo. Just think about it. Yeah, just think about it. With that we'll go to the American Association now and a so they announced that they're extending their partnership with Baseballism. That will give them an apparel line. So hats, t-shirts, I guess jackets, that kind of a thing. Uh, that will continue. They had it last year in 2020. So now it will be in 2021 as well. And also they announced a new logo for the league. Uh, and this one, the official logo for the, uh, I guess, the former official logo for the American Association had independent in the title. The one they always used though, was the, like, interlaced a and a logo which really was pretty meh but uh, that logo is those two logos are gone we have a new logo it totally removes independent from the word mark on it it's essentially a baseball diamond in red white blue and gray and at home plate there's a star with home plate accentuated so uh Make of that what you will. Uh, I really don't want to keep discussing logos on an audio medium because, as you could probably imagine, it's very difficult to see audio. And uh, it really doesn't do you any good for me to talk about or will talk about or any of us to talk about uh, something that's a totally visual thing uh, in an audio format.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I I will say I kind of like the logo. I think it's kind of sleek. But, of course, I don't want to harp on logos on an on a podcast
0: exactly so I mean it's it's nice I agree yeah these' sleek um it looks nice at first I was like it's a little it look like a baseball logo but it's growing on me a lot of these grow on me and uh, I will say it's nice it's an it's a certainly an upgrade and that's really what you're looking for it's an improvement it works yep so now on to actual fun news or well not really fun news but news better suited for an audio format the saints are moving supposedly again we kind of were anticipating this on tuesday it was reported by multiple outlets including ourselves because we saw everybody else doing it so we wanted to jump on it uh that the twins would make the saints their triple a affiliate uh for a long time it just appeared that the team was going to resist the move that they were putting up a fight that was what Whatever the fans wanted, they were going to do. The independent streak is in their blood. They can never move. It goes against the spirit of the club. All this other BS. But now they're moving, and it's clearly just BS because they're making that jump. Although that's not official yet. But, uh Yeah. It's, it seems like that's going to happen and that the $20 million uh, payment for them becoming a AAA club, that's still kind of in the air, but my guess would be it will be the Saints paying $20 million, so that way this can happen.
1: Uh, yeah, so I, all that talk about uh, like independence is in our blood, that, that's all nice. I mean, that, that's all nice. Unfortunately, uh, as we found out so many times, money talks and... The the Saints will undoubtedly. I mean, the, sa- the I guess their attendance won't really change that much because they nearly sell out every game anyway. But uh, but they will definitely make more money as as the Twins AAA affiliate. I can obviously see why the Twins wanted to make this move as well. I mean, now they have one of the best AAA markets in baseball, and just twenty uh, just like a quick 15-20 minute drive from target field. So I, I could see why the twins wanted to make this move. And as far as the saints, I, I understand like their their the reasons that they had to say kind of, although they kind of strong, more strongly denied it than like Sugarland, for example, or Somerset who kind of just said, yeah, we're flattered and we'll leave it at that. Uh, I mean the, the, the saints were saying some pretty strongly worded stuff about, Hey, um, I mean, like, like you mentioned, independence is in our blood. We have no, we have no intention on leaving the American Association. But I mean, the pandemic changes things. And well, they're going to make more money as the Twins AAA affiliate than they ever would in the American Association. And unfortunately, that's, uh, th- that's just the truth. But I'm sure, uh, I'm sure most St. Saint Paul Saints fans are. I mean, you can assume they're probably Twins fans as well. Uh, so, I mean, I'm sure they, they're probably pretty excited. Most of them are probably pretty excited about it. So, you know, at the end of the day, I don't blame any independent independent league team like Somerset, like Sugarland for for making for making the jump to affiliated ball. It's impossible to blame them. It's it's undoubtedly uh, more makes their franchise more financially viable it's a no-brainer and and i'm sure no matter how much they love indie ball or how much the owners love indie ball at heart i mean you can't you can't turn down a chance to become affiliated specifically when you can't turn down the chance to become a triple a affiliate of all things so it, it sucks for the american association but you know we, we kind of saw this coming for a while and unfortunately that's just kind of the reality and the American Association—they've talked about expansion. I mean, now I guess they don't technically have to expand, uh, considering they're they're now at ten teams with the loss of St. Paul and the Texas Air Hogs. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. I, I know it's going to be tough for them to replace the same, the the I mean, you can't really you can't replace the St. Paul Saints, but you, it'll be interesting to see what their plans are uh, moving forward.
0: Yeah, replacing St. Paul's, like replacing Somerset, you really can't ever do it. You can only try and hopefully build up one of your other clubs to kind of fill their shoes, but it's certainly not an easy task. And again, I agree with you. I don't really blame them for making the move. It's the smart financial decision. It just makes sense to do it. But at the same time, it does bother me a bit that they went on this whole long spiel of, oh, we're not going to leave. We want to be independent. It's in our blood. It's nice to be thought of, but we would never do it. And to see how it's slowly been walked back from that point, how it started as a strong denial, then it turned into a denial, then it turned into, well, what the fans want, and now it's turned into a, well, we're going to do it. It's a good decision to do it. It's like, look, I at least can say, with Sugarland and Somerset from the outset they were they were always interested in that i mean the second the yankees called came calling we knew somerset was gone like yeah. i think regardless of what either of us said i think we kind of knew it and i know at least for me i didn't want to acknowledge it and so maybe i wasn't entirely uh honest about it but i kind of was like okay yeah califor always wanted to be with the yankees this is his opportunity he's going to take it as far as Sugarland goes, I mean, we all knew that they were never exactly a fit in the Atlantic League. They were certainly a good club while they were here. They were well ran. I have no issues with that, but they never made sense to be in the Atlantic League, geographically speaking. Everything else speaking, really, uh, they were they were certainly a top tier team while they were there. But it just they were always kind of that weird one off to their own out there in the far west. As far as the other teams are concerned, I mean, you can't have a team. Or a league, rather, that's almost entirely based in the mid-Atlantic region and then just have one team out on the uh, Gulf Coast in Texas. It just doesn't work. And uh, so them leaving really was no surprise. It was more or less a surprise, I think, that they were in the Atlantic League for as long as they were without jumping to a different league. So uh, with those two, we knew they were gone. They never made any bones about that either. So I respect that a bit more than saying, oh, like, oh we're not going to leave. Oh, it's all fine and good. And then turning around and saying, oh, well, yeah, we're actually going to leave. Like, at least just be honest outright and say, look, we're going to definitely explore it. It's something we're interested in. We're not promising anything. We're happy with where we're at if it winds up not turning into anything. But, you know, we definitely want to explore. We're very interested in it. Just say that.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think all I can ask for, all I can ask for is honesty and... I always give people the benefit of the doubt. Who maybe, uh, maybe say something they shouldn't say as long as it's true. I I I don't I don't mind it. So I'd rather I'd rather the Saints have been honest from the beginning. I and and none of us would have blamed them for for putting out a Sugarland or Somerset type statement saying like we're flattered, or like well something we'll explore. I mean none of us none of us sat up here and ripped Sugarland and Somerset like that. It's it's an obvious. It's a move to make, and it was almost kind of surprising at the time to hear what the Saints were saying. I'm like, like when that first statement came out last November, as far as them like pretty profusely denying that they would that they would become the Twins, that they would really consider a jump to affiliated ball. My first thought was, really, you you wouldn't, you wouldn't, if, if given the opportunity to be a the Twins AAA affiliate. With like in, in, in a town full of Minnesota Twins fans, you wouldn't do it. Like I was kind of confused at the at the at at, at the first uh, at the first out at the outset of it, and I, I was surprised that they would put out a statement like that. And and listen, and it makes more sense that they would jump. And you and like you mentioned, you could kind of see the pattern the pattern form as far as you, you could see their minds start to shift. I you'd have to think the pandemic uh, changed a lot of changed a lot of their views on that because I mean listen every every team has been financially hurting this year. I mean affiliated or or, or independent. I, I guess my question would, would to you would be if the if the pandemic didn't exist, do you think the Saints would have still made this move?
0: I think the answer is yes. And the reason I say that is for all the reasons we just said, it was surprising they said they wouldn't have considered it to begin with. And part of their statement about it being in their DNA, if I remember right, was during the pandemic. The early days of it, back when it was like, oh, well, don't worry about it. We'll be able to have some semblance of normal probably by we'll, Memorial we'll Day. We'll start
1: in July. We'll, well, yeah, yeah, we'll start Memorial Day. Yeah, I was like, by With Memorial Day,
0: this this will all blow over. It'll calm down. There'll be little flares, but it'll be fine. Oh, those days when we were that ignorant to think this would Goodness. be done in like three months.
1: That, that Those were fun days, and they're like, Oh, no, we're going to have to wait till June to play. How uh, are we going to wait until June? Exactly. How is this going to happen? Oh,
0: God, we're going to lose the Memorial Day start. We're going to have to push things back a couple of weeks.
1: Oh, no, 4th, 4th of July? How, yeah. we're, we're going to have to start on 4th of July? How's that going to work?
0: Yeah, that one was like, oh, no, we won't be able to have full capacity crowds back to normal until maybe the end of the year. Oh, it's yeah. going to be a lean year. And then it was, huh. <laughs> Uh, no, no, you're not gonna get to even have people in your ballpark until like the end of August, and even then, it's a real iffy proposition. Yeah, ah, <laughs> uh, uh, the but, good good times. I know the good old days when we were still able to be a bit optimistic about this whole thing. And now it's like, well, let's see, Memorial Day 2021, we may start to see things get somewhat back to relative normal, but we're probably not going back to business as usual to the end of 21, 22. Uh, Uh, Well,
1: at least it looks like we're getting back to normal faster than we thought we would. Exactly.
0: I mean, we're getting a vaccine, which, I mean, that's good.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think that could could definitely... Well, that is definitely going to help things, especially with teams that are going to start, you know, middle of May or uh, middle of May, the beginning of May, maybe obviously not full capacity right away in, in May. But, you know, uh, I, I I do feel confident by the playoffs of the at the baseball playoffs, whether that's MLB, in, independent leagues, really anything we're looking at the playoffs. I, I think you'll have you'll have full capacity crowds.
0: I hope. It comes down to a lot of things. I mean, we can't just act like the... And I know we're going off on a little bit of a tangent here, but it's worthwhile one. I don't think we can act as though, like, this vaccine is going to be some sort of panacea. It's not going to fix everything. You still got to wear a mask, still got to do everything that, you know, you've been told to do along the way, because just not enough people are going to have this vaccine, even come that point in time. So I think the longer that people try to, you know, put up some sort of stupid-ass fight about wearing a mask for some bullshit reason. I just don't get it. And enough people are going to be resistant to getting the vaccine where it's it's not going to be as effective as you want it to be. I'm just, I'm, a, I'm less optimistic about it. Maybe it's just because the whole year has not really uh, been great for optimists. So I'm a bit hesitant to be that way. I hope I'm wrong. I hope we go back to normal sooner than later, but I I kind of don't expect to see things go back to the way they ought to be until 22. But, uh, you know.
1: So- well, make you, you were you were definitely not the optimist back in the early days, and I was like, well, I, I, I think he's being a little harsh, saying there's not going to be uh, Atlantic League baseball this year. Why, why, would, why would there not be Atlantic League baseball this year? Well, unfortunately, the optimist in me... W- was not right although like let's say
0: i mean kind of right with I-, I don't know back. let's
1: say i don't know 55 percent of people take the vaccine instead of 70 i don't think you can then keep in more restrictions because certain like forever because certain people won't take it at the end of the day it's like well that's your loss
0: you know? yeah yeah i guess but at the same time though i I just don't see uh like i think yeah, you could possible. i think if you keep with the masks you could really start to get back to the way things ought to be even as early as summer of 21 but we've as we've seen to this point people are really resistant to wearing a small piece of cloth over their face for 15 minutes at a time so i really highly doubt it's gonna work going forward but well
1: yeah. one can hope
0: uh, with that said we'll move on to really the last couple of bits of news i will say though real quick as far as uh as uh, Josh Schaub is com- concerned, the commissioner of the American Association, uh, the Saints are still in as of now. They said, we haven't gotten notice that they're leaving. They haven't told us anything. We're kind of assuming that they're in. And as far as uh, roster of teams goes, Gen 1, we're running with what we have. So they haven't done that long, really. And we're going to go from there. Uh, he mentioned all of this on another competing independent league baseball podcast that won't be named here. Hopefully we'll get Josh on. He can yeah, talk I mean, to us he- about all this.
1: I love Josh Schaub at the end of the day, like you can say, well, we haven't gotten notice, So we're assuming they're in, He's, they're not assuming they're in. They know that they know better than we do that. They don't need the official notice. They know exactly what's going to happen. It's just a matter of the MLB. Uh, releasing this stupid cut list that that hasn't that still hasn't materialized and we thought it was going to be yesterday we thought it was going to be the day before and still it hasn't come out because these people because the MLB is run by morons
0: and, Oh no, they'll, re- for- they'll release it now they'll release it at 2 o'clock right when we finish oh, recording
1: yeah. oh the fi- Friday 5 o'clock news dump yeah here we go Friday 5 o'clock news dump here it comes
0: <laughs> and it's not, we're not even going to be able to throw a cut in this week because it's going to be like an hour of talking about stuff and then a 40 minute interview so I'll be like oh, we could throw a cut in, but it's going to be like a two-hour-long show. Yeah, yeah, I know. But might as well just wait till the next week. At that point, exactly. I mean, already we have a lot of stuff to talk about. So, but yeah, and I agree with you. Josh knows exactly what's going to happen. He's not an idiot. He sees the writing on the wall. But I mean, he has to go out there and in public, he's got to say, "Look, we assume so many still here because they haven't told us otherwise." Exactly. Like, oh, the house is on fire, but I can't say that. That's a that's it's bad of I- fronts.
1: And, and to me, I kind of had the same attitude towards, uh, and I guess this is, I, I, I have to, I have to say it now, and that this is probably going to lead into the next topic. Yeah. But I kind of feel I had the same feeling towards the, the the Staten Island Yankees, and as far as oh, the Yankees assured us. Like th- they assured us constantly that we would be a member, we would be an affiliated team uh, for for years to come, and then all of a sudden they just said, "Oh, never mind." It- yeah, I-, I don't, I don't believe you. I, I don't believe you. Like there's, there's, there is no way you could not, you didn't see the writing on the wall. I, I just, I, I don't. Trenton, okay, I, I, I can at least understand what Trenton is saying. I don't understand what that is saying.
0: Yeah, no, I- we'll go to Staten Island now uh, because. I mean, the only other thing here was just the MLB draft league, Pioneer league crap. We covered that last week. So if we have time, we'll toss it in at the end. But yeah, Staten Island, that whole statement just pissed me off. I'm not going to lie here. That essentially what they did was they said, okay, we're being disaffiliated, de-affiliated, unaffiliated, whatever you want to call it. They were then given the best independent league. I know we just had a commissioner of a different league on the show, so it's kind of weird for me to do this right now. But... I don't think anyone here is going to argue. If we look at all the leagues here, sure, the Frontier League has the most history. The Atlantic League is the one with the most prestige. They get the higher-name players. They get the ones that are more established. They get the names that are... I mean, hell, half of them are Hall of Fame players sometimes. You get your Roger Clemens in there. You get Armando Benitez. Now, granted, some of these guys aren't in the Hall, but even still, you get a lot of really high-name players. You had Ricky Henderson in this link at one point,
1: okay? Even Jose Canseco, who had Hall of oh, Fame yeah. numbers, but Hall oh. of Fame numbers, we'll just leave it at that. Exactly,
0: yeah. Um, just don't go into the bathroom before a game with him. Uh, but you have these really, when you're talking established independent leagues, We're talking Atlantic League. They're well-respected. They have connections there. And Major League Baseball was going to give you money to help you get off the ground there, to help ease the transition. They essentially did everything they could in their power for you. And again, I really hate having to defend Major League Baseball because I'm vehemently against what they did because, I mean, let's be honest, they're screwing over communities and what they're doing is with this money, giving them a small life support line so that way when they fail five years down the line, they can go, we tried, we tried, what more could we have done? But that's more or less for the Pioneer League teams. Because, let's be honest, a team in Billings, Montana cannot support themselves on their own unless they come up with some really creative stuff here, and even then, that will only last for so long. But a team in Staten Island, New York, should not have a problem drawing. Part of one of the most populated regions in the world, not just the country, not just the region, but the world entirely, when you have 11 million people in New Jersey, and then however many million of people in New York, probably about 10, 15 million in New York. Like, you're going to tell me between about 20 million people there You couldn't find a way to draw 3,000 people into a ballpark on Staten Island every night to make yourself profitable. And then you're going to tell me that when your outfield wall fell apart, you didn't think maybe we should actually repair it correctly. Instead, you said, nah, just duct tape it and call it good. You're going to tell me that that team deserves to have, like, affiliated high-level prospects coming through there? Hell... I don't blame the Yankees for this at all, to dump them, to be quite honest. Yeah. And, I mean, that, it, I'll take it a step further and go, quite frankly, I would tell the manager of my New York Penn League team, if I had a team in that league, don't play any star player in that ballpark. I don't trust it. I don't want them damaged.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, listen, I mean... It, I I don't agree with what the MLB is doing at all. I don't think any. I don't think they should be cutting any teams. I think I've I've been very consistent on this that I have no problem shuffling affiliates and leagues. Don't cut markets. So, and and that goes with Staten Island as well. I don't think that that the Yankees should have been put in the position that they had to cut a team that they had to cut affiliates. That being said, unfortunately, that's just the reality we're in. Fortunately, this this is the reality the Yankees were put in, and and the Yankees had to cut they had to cut two affiliates. And to be honest with you, it was it was an easy decision, like it was. And and unfortunately, I mean, sat down as is dwindling attendance, a stadium that's. And, and I tell you what, though, I've been to the stadium four or five times in my life. It, it, there's some unique parts about it. I mean, the backdrop of like the skyline in the outfield, it's it's really cool. And, and to be, but to be honest, like I'm stunned when I go to the New York Penn league all-star game and there's 2,200 people there, like seriously. And, and, and I'm like, you had so much time to market this. And this is, this is the turnout you have. Like I I was stunned. Like I I was really stunned. And, and I guess before I go on my tangent, I'm just, I, I, I think Nick it would probably be best if I were just to read this statement. Uh, by the Staten Island Yankees, j- just so I can then pick it apart. Uh, because right. I was, th- I was, I was thinking about this all last night. It was grinding my gears. So uh, here we go. The Staten Island Yankees uh, are ceasing operations and have filed a lawsuit seeking legal remedies. The New York Yankees announced on November 7, 2020, that the Staten Island Yankees are no longer part of the Yankees minor league affiliation structure, even though the Yankees had made repeated assurances that we would always be a minor league partner. Although we, we still have not heard this from the Yankees directly, it would appear from their press release that they would like us to go from the past arrangement in which the Staten Island Yankees were an affiliated minor league team of the New York Yankees, where we facilitated player development and brand exposure, among other benefits to the New York Yankees, to one in which we played unaffiliated baseball with no relationship to the Yankees whatsoever." This would force Staten Island to field a subpar team with players that have no connection to the Yankees' farm system. Additionally, this would require additional expenses, including payroll for players, coaches, and staff. Unfortunately, that additional expense and the loss of the connection to the Yankees in our shared city makes it impossible for the Staten Island Yankees to pursue this business model. The best thing we can do for the community is to step aside and let others try to save baseball in Staten Island. While we have invested considerable resources into the development of the North Shore and hope to remain a piece of that renewal. We have not been offered the support to create a sustainable business entity. Because you get it, don't you see? They have not been offered the support. That's the reason. Accordingly, uh, accordingly, with great regret, we must cease operations. Earlier today, we filed a lawsuit against the New York Yankees and Major League Baseball to hold these entities res- accountable for false promises. A portion of any settlement or jury verdicts will go to the staten island yankees foundation to be distributed to local staten island charities uh blah 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 blah. none of that's really important uh ticket will tickets will be refund uh refunded to the fans in the community of staten island we offer our sincere thanks for supporting our team and all of its employees over the years so it's obviously a big blame game and listen I am not asking for the for the owners of the Staten Island Yankees to be jumping up and down that they got all, that that the Yankees cut their affiliation with them and that they're going and that they were offered a spot uh, in indie ball. Of course, it, I'm not asking them to be excited about it. I mean, I, I'm not oblivious. I, I understand that it, it's much tougher to run an indie ball franchise than it is to run an affiliated ball franchise. However, instead of just saying well you know, that that's not really a business model we can pursue. It's not something we, we can really afford. So we have to seize operations. Fine. Fine. I understand. I, I, I to be honest with you, I never thought Staten Island was going to be a good fit in the Atlantic league anyway. And it's actually not, um, it, it doesn't officially mean that they won't be a part of the Atlantic league. It just has to be a new ownership group, but God knows who would take on, take on this. And I, I, I just don't see that happening. Uh, but the, the, the line that I wanted to go into is the one where they just decided to bash Indie ball. Cause why not just bash Indie ball on your way out of your failed business enterprise? Oh, you absolutely. Know, like,
0: why, why don't we just burn some more bridges?
1: Yeah. You know what? Cause, cause, cause why, cause why not do that? It helped really well for Trenton because instead of becoming an Atlantic league team with a hundred and with, with uh 70 home dates, let's take, let's go down to 38 home dates and a summer collegiate league. Cause we like to burn our bridges and call it a constellation league. So because that worked out really well for the other affiliate, uh, the line in which they said, um, a subpar team with players that have no connection to the Yankees. OK, so like I mentioned earlier in the show, I have no problem with people saying they be people being brutally honest. I kind of like that because uh, because as long as they're telling the truth, they're saying what needs to be said. However, this kind of proves that the owners of the Staten Island Yankees, who, by the way, the Owning a baseball team is one of their, uh, this group has, they're really more of like hedge fund owners and they're based out of Connecticut. So don't give me that you, that you, Oh, we put, we uh, poured considerable resources to, to uh, helping out the North shore. No, you didn't. You didn't at all. Not even close. And, and so when you say, uh, and let's just b- and act like you're not Oh, we would never sink to the level of going to indie ball. We could we could never do that. If you if you can't afford it, just say you can't afford it. And if you want to, and I have no problem saying, oh, we wouldn't want to form a, a subpar team if I don't know. You wanted to go like the Pecos if you were offered a spot in the Pecos League or something. I, I don't know, but like in the Atlantic League, I'm sorry, but if you put any team from the Atlantic League against the 2019 Staten Island Yankees, it would be like a 20 to nothing game. Like, it wouldn't even be close. It's not even, it's not based in fact. It's not true at all. And it shows how knowledgeable they are about baseball, and clearly they're not very good at running a baseball team either, and and don't give a damn about the community of Staten Island like they claim to. And they're just spewing complete lies. And if if there is another ownership group that, that takes the reins here in Staten Island and and offers a chance to become uh, a, a team in the Atlantic League. They should be welcomed with open arms because the past ownership group doesn't reflect the, the doesn't reflect the new one. But it's really disappointing to see that on the way out uh, of a of, of completely failed business enterprise. I'm sorry, it was failed when you were a member, the, when you were affiliated with the Yankees. It was. It's obviously a failure now that you just have to bash indie ball on the way out. It doesn't make any sense to me.
0: So what I take away from that is you're a fan of this decision, and, and you agree with their decision here, right?
1: Well, I, I think I was never a fan of it. I didn't think it was a good fit for the Atlantic League. So I'm happy in the sense that the Atlantic League doesn't have to suffer through, like, this, one, this ownership group, and two, I, I don't think it would have been a fit at all for the Atlantic League. And I, they're, better, they're better off just taking – two other teams instead of instead of expanding to 10 i would much rather have add two markets that you're confident will sustain and just keep the eight instead of trying to expand to 10 or 12 and you're kind of forcing in certain markets like staten island that have no chance of succeeding
0: yeah i agree with that i i'm not sure where to begin with that uh that that tirade uh but i agree with it there's a lot that's true in it like there's just so much about this here that really it's just the worst possible way that this could have happened. And it just seems to be a constant threat throughout all of these teams that are getting cut where they make it out to be that independent league ball is like a fate worse than death. Like they just they couldn't possibly imagine a world where they have to do things on their own. Like if you want to go through it it's line by line here. Even in the opening line, they're ceasing operations and filed a lawsuit. Okay. Your point? Like, I only assume this is just because you realized the team isn't really worth terribly much and you could get more forward by, uh, trying to sue Major League Baseball into a settlement when you border up shop although i do like how they tossed in a portion of any settlement or judgment will go to stan island charities like that's yeah, supposed to get people portion. on the side
1: one for one percent portion like, that's the people you are
0: yeah like you're gonna do that okay a portion uh, an abstract number of things and like the thing is too before i saw this i was preparing to come on and be like you know i was down and got screwed out of this if what they said it's true because apparently there's one report the Yankees really hated the name Pizza Rats. They did not like it at all, and that may have played into why they were cut. Which you know, that just seems like BS. Uh, even on the surface, it seems like BS. But at the same time, like, yeah, you know, I can understand it if you didn't. If this team's going rogue on you, and you know, they're da- and it becomes damaging to the brand or whatever. But it, it, I think it was a not a total success in my opinion. But uh, that's a whole other issue now. It just. <laughs> Like, I'm not really sure what you're suing for. You said repeated assurances were made. Actually, let me make sure I get this right. I want to make sure I'm quoting the the statement correctly. They said
1: they're suing for for their false promises. For
0: false promises. Okay. Uh, What sort of promissory note were you given? Like, was there a contract signed? Was there a verbal agreement? Because if there's a verbal agreement, your standard or burden of proof just became... A thousand times more difficult. You a could still ver-
1: pro- a verbal promise has zero legal merit,
0: none. Nothing has zero; it just has very close to zero. I should say. You technically speaking, it does have some, but to prove it makes it as though it has none. Uh, from my understanding of it, is if you made a, if there was a vocal promise made between two parties. Where party A said, if you fulfill conditions A, B, and begin on condition C, we will give you X in return. And then party B goes out, they fulfill condition A, B, and begin on C, and say, all right, we want X now. And then party A reneges on that. Then you can go to it, but you need to have shown that at some point in time that this discussion took place, that these things were at least leading up to something that was discussed and wanted, And that you did make strides because of those conditions. That you only did the, you only fulfilled condition A, B, and began on C because you wanted X. And that that was the only reason why. Which, as you can imagine, is such a pain in the ass to try and prove. Because you really can't prove it. At least, not beyond the burden. And, they're not going to get anywhere with this. Like, to be honest, I see this lawsuit and I go, okay, I see exactly what's happening here. You're suing them. And Major League Baseball doesn't want any more bad press than they already have. And they're just going to say, we don't want a prolonged court case on this one. Pay them, I don't know, however much they want to settle for. Give them 80% of that and tell them to go away.
1: I don't know, though, because they're suing for $160 million.
0: (laughs) i thought it was twenty million.
1: Oh no 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 according to according to uh the base to the baseball america jj cooper article i read i think they're
0: for 160 million dollars 160 that team ain't worth 160 million they, they could screw off with that they ain't getting 160 million yeah yeah i, I, ju- I, ju- off I just,
1: just double checked it uh the yank uh, JJ Cooper said this is our story on the Staten Island Yankees lawsuit against the MLB and the New York Yankees has been updated with details from the court filings. They're they're asking for at least 160 million in damages.
0: Okay, you can't damage something worth 160 million. That's not <laughs> appraised at that point higher. Honestly, what I almost want to see here is I almost want to see them win the lawsuit and then get a USFL settlement where they get one dollar and then because it was three counts They get $3. I almost want to see that happen. Where it's like, we agree with you. There were damages. So we're going to give you, I'm not sure how how many uh, were filed here, but uh, let's just say there's four. We'll give you $10 for each one. Here's 40 bucks. And I almost just want to see whoever the hell's representing Major League Baseball, just open up their wallet, give them a 50 and tell them to keep the change. Like I I really do kind of want to see this here because like for me the biggest offender here if you want to go out and make frivolous lawsuits go right on ahead we've seen in the past and we've seen now frivolous lawsuits absolutely mean nothing all you're doing is wasting somebody's time wasting the court's time and quite frankly wasting the filing fee it means nothing you could file a lawsuit for just about anything it, it, if you don't have grounds it's going to get thrown out of court fairly quickly And you're going to get reprimanded by a judge for filing bullshit suits anyway. So go ahead and do if you want to. Go ahead, cry and moan, throw your hands up in the air. If you go, oh, we don't want to have to pay a staff. We don't want to have to pay a roster of players. We're not financially viable enough, which that alone makes me wonder here. You're going to simultaneously argue we cannot survive without a partnership, but we want $160.00. 160 million damages okay yeah. uh maybe i'm misunderstanding a lot that's very possible but and, and, and not... the other
1: the other thing i saw yesterday a couple of things like right along that line right along those lines is M- mike ashmore tweeted am I happy these places are losing their affiliations? Hell no. But I certainly find it interesting that many places sure seem to be finding out how hard it is to potentially run an independent franchise when presented with that option. And then friend of the show, uh, Michael Pfaff then responded, agree, you'd think that realizing that the reaction would be one of respect and esteem for those who have done that so successfully for 20 plus years, I guess old habits die hard. And you know what, he's right about that. But instead of instead of like saying, wow, this is really hard. To, to run it, you look at franchises like the Long Island Ducks and the Somerset Patriots and the Sugarland Skeeters, and of course, others like York and Lancaster and Southern Maryland. You've, you've Even New Jersey, the- that's
0: been around since the late 90s.
1: Right, yeah, and, and you're like, wow, that that that's kind of impressive. But no, the subpar franchise with subpar players.
0: That's where I really, that's really what pisses me off. And I'm not sure if they have to say all that just because it makes their case better. It's certainly possible. And that's a lot of times why you don't see people apologize for things before they go to court because an apology is an admission of guilt. So perhaps that's part of it. Perhaps it's just for PR. I don't really care. It's disrespectful not only to the teams and to the players that and the people that run those teams the players that take the field every day and you know i first saw about this right after <coughs> i finished editing the the interview that you heard today with bill lee and hearing about how much he he sees this as a crowning achievement hell he said the document we signed about this partnership i'm getting it framed and put on my wall it, it's even when you even Will, when you asked about, you know, what is that kind of crowning achievement? What is the the one thing over your career in the Frontier League that you say this is the thing that he came back to? He thought about it's like, you know, seeing our players make it to the major leagues. That's something there. You know, there's a lot of things over those years. But he kept circling back to the partnership and to see how much that means to him. And objectively speaking, going from independent to partner status is moving up on the chain. It's going up higher on the list. And to see guys like that, to see the Atlantic League react the same way, to see the American Association... My association react the same way. To see all of them, how they're excited for this. This is a new chapter, and it's going to be a positive thing moving forward. And to see a guy like Billy that spent 30 plus years, roughly, of his career in independent league, well, he spent over 30 years in minor league baseball, but about 26, 25 years to this point. And to see him spend that much time in this to put forth this much effort for that long to all work for it and to finally have this as kind of a, a culmination of it and as he said i want to leave the league in a better place for the next guy that takes over and with this he's certainly doing that to see him be at this point and see how much that means to him and guys like him to only then see people like that run Stan Island and Fresno and all of these, well, Fresno, actually I'll, I'll exclude them from here. They have a legitimate beef to go from triple A to to low A. That's a very legitimate beef on their part. But to see teams like Trenton, like Stan Island, essentially act like children on their way out the door and go, this is unfair. This is wrong. I can't believe you're doing this. We can't possibly do it. This is subpar. We can't do anything like that. And just bash everything that being a partner league team would be. And, to see all that, it's like a spit in the face of everyone that helped build up the independent leagues to where they are now. It's a spit in the face to guys like Bill Lee, the guys like Miles Wolf, to all these guys that helped build this. Even guys like Frank Bolton that really got it going on the East Coast. Sure, there were some teams here and there, but without Bolton, there's no Atlantic League. And with no Atlantic League, who knows how long and for what basis there really is for independent league ball. It certainly doesn't have that yeah. same prestige. Because the Atlantic League really gave it a lot of prestige and changed a lot of minds on it when you saw Ricky Henderson play in Nork Armando Benitez in Nork and dozens of other guys. I mean, take your pick of just about any Atlantic League team from any given year. They have former major leaguers, and sometimes you get really high names. I mean, even guys like Brandon Beachy this past year, Scott Kazmir in the past. These are names which are, are fairly household names. These were high-quality pitchers. Roger Clemens down in Sugarland. You, you have all of this. You build all of that up, and essentially you're going, eh, they're whatever. They're whatever. It's subpar. And not to mention, we've seen the caliber of players, not just in the Atlantic League, which are extremely high caliber. I mean, I just went through the slew of guys that are there. You're going to tell me that those are subpar players compared to whoever the hell you had on your single-A roster? You're going to tell me that some of the guys that I've seen play in, in the frontier league guys that are just absolutely great like i don't care really what level you're at breland almondova is a hell of an outfielder he is an extremely Mm -hmm. talented with that glove and he can hit too and you're gonna tell me that guy like alfredo Marte is not a major league caliber hitter he's a former major leaguer too exactly like these guys you now there's dozens of guys that aren't former major leaguers in there that you're like, how? You're going to tell me that in the American Association, Peyton Gray is not worthy of a, mayor, of, a of a legitimate spot on a major league roster? The man had an ERA of zero through 60 games. You're going to tell me that that? He gave up, what, three earned runs, four earned runs from the beginning of July through the end of September? Yeah, he's not a major leaguer. There's dozens of guys all across here. I mean, you have Henderson Alvarez, who threw a no-hitter in the major leagues that plays in... He played in the Atlantic League, and now he plays in the American Association. You're going to tell me that these guys are subpar talent? It's just such a spit in the face here. And not to mention all the managers and whatnot that are associated with him. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's names that are, that are part of this. To say subpar is just so like it's just a spit in the face and it's disrespectful
1: yeah yeah i agree i mean it's i i not to mention i listen i understand it's it's harder to run an indie ball franchise i i i understand that the books become tighter i get all that however then to to bash the the talent on the field which is just not based in fact and any, any, any coach, any scout, but affiliated or, or independent. like any, any affiliated scout will tell you that the, that the Atlantic League and, and really any independent ball, because they do scout all the leagues, that, that, that is certainly not subpar talent. And if it was subpar talent, that scouts wouldn't waste their time. Like like at a game in the Somerset Professional Baseball Series that was completely thrown together at the last minute, you, you, had, you had a guy, Brandon Liebrandt, who made like four starts in the in, in the Somerset Professional Baseball Series, and three weeks later he was in the major leagues. Three weeks later he was in the major leagues, pitching for the Miami Marlins. Look at the sugar and, and the Sugarland League too. I mean, you got I, I believe they had three different guys. Um, I know Chase DeYoung was one. I know Brett Eibner was another. Uh, there's another guy. I don't.
0: There's Fernando yeah. Rodney over there too. For Fernando a
1: Rodney, yes. But and 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 oh yeah, Fernando Rodney definitely not a. Uh, yeah. yeah, definitely a sub subpar player right there. A guy oh, who has yeah. like over like like two hundred and fifty career saves all in right. MLB. Right. What kind so, of
0: scrub only plays like ten years in the majors?
1: Yeah, very 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 subpar there. I mean, you know it's it's not based in it's not based in fact like at all, and it it's frustrating to see. It's an outdated view too, because I don't think that the majority of people feel that way. But unfortunately, you you they feel the need to just like. Um, just hit every, like, just like smash every window and door on the way out. Cause why not? Yeah. Fernando Rodney, 327 career saves. Yeah. That, that's a, uh, that is a subpar player right there who says, who would never lower himself to, uh, to indie ball at all. It, it it's just, it's just absurd. And, you know, and it, it, it's disappointing. And if another group comes into Staten Island and, and tries to make an Atlantic League team, they should get a clean slate as well. Cause that, not, that's not to say it's, uh, it's not a a reflection on the market right yeah it's not at all it's a
0: reflection on the ownership group that you know like the only thing i I gotta say that i i appreciate about this ownership group is at least they had the decency to say we don't want to be a part of this we're just going to fold it let someone else handle it at least they didn't just kind of leave it hanging out there didn't cease operations and then just gave a real half-hearted effort at it which what i don't understand here is and we were going to talk about the Major League Draft League and all that, but it's getting pushed to next week now because let's be honest, yeah. it's really not that important. They have five teams. You mean to tell me that you couldn't have managed to finagle your way into that league? Or they were maybe- offered
1: a spot. They were offered a spot in that league.
0: <laughs> and they were like, no, we can't do that. You we need to we- you need to be affiliated that badly. Really? 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 You think with the way you maintain your ballpark that it deserves to be at that level? Like, you see things like this, and it's like, I really want to start agreeing with Major League Baseball now. They're making a lot of sense here when you're dealing <laughs> with this. And more and more, I'm like, you know what? I gave uh, Jazz Shop a little, bit of, uh, a little bit of the business a while back, saying, oh, you know, he, he goes after these MILB teams because they leave markets, too, and all that jazz. And I was like, yeah, oh, that's not exactly fair. There's a bit of a difference there. And there is a bit of a difference when you compare 60 teams or 40 teams being cut at once to one or two teams leaving a year but you know what if a lot of these groups operate like this do i really blame major league baseball for throwing their hands up and saying we're done with this bs we're done with it we're done making accommodations for them we're done dealing with this bs let them fight amongst themselves we're going to take the ones that want to work and the rest of them can do whatever they want because it's not like they left them out in the cold here yeah. they gave them the best a, the best independent league then they and gave them a draft league
1: and, and they should be and not to mention that the staten island despite it, it if they were like an expansion market that had nothing to do with like the mlb or whatever the atlantic league wouldn't even look that way and they wouldn't even look that way and they should they should honestly be grateful that they got a chance to to be in the atlantic league but now i guess it's just gonna be a ball a ballpark sitting there so that'll be fun
0: yeah maybe it will turn into a concert venue like they did up in bridgeport yeah honestly yeah. that's probably pretty cool though like, i'm not gonna lie here like if that if the worst comes to happen there's really yeah. only two options to do like a concert venue would be pretty cool because i imagine you could get a lot of really good acts passing through and imagine having a really cool concert with the stage and having new york lit up in the background at night
1: that is true. That would be really cool. That is that is a good point. And, and, and then who cares about your outfield fences?
0: Exactly. You could just tear them down anyway. It's not like it's making a difference here. But personally, what I would favor out of all of these possibilities here, you got to turn into a cricket venue. That's right. Major League That's Cricket. It's got to come through here.
1: 100% correct.
0: That's what will make a good go of it. See, they weren't able to draw that well for baseball, but cricket?
1: Oh, dude, cricket is – it's – I mean that's cricket is the new concert venue.
0: Exactly. See, cricket is the new football. Really gets the people going. I think we said our piece about Stan Island now. I think we all uh, got the frustration of what is Stan Island out of the way, and I also see now that we've been recording this bit here, not including the interview, for an hour and a half now. So, uh, I'm unfortunately I may have to cut the Roman numeral bit here for time, but we'll wait and we'll see. Either way. You know what? Starting with episode one hundred, I'm going to start taking some of the fun bits that we cut out and tossing them as a post credit thing.
1: Oh, I agree. I think that'd yeah. be a good decision. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh,
0: so with that said, I suppose we should probably plug things and get out of here now, unless we have anything else left to add about Staten Island.
1: Well, uh, I th- I think we said I think we said pretty much all we needed to say. I mean, I hope they find a new ownership group, and I don't know, maybe we'll see a good ownership group can. Uh, can solve a lot of things, so we'll we'll see what happens.
0: Yep. So uh, i that's the thing. I'd want to make make the point here. It's not a reflection on uh, on the uh, on the market. It's a reflection on the ownership group. That's really what the complaints are, are lodged here. Even the ballpark yeah. itself, we did point out some flaws with it, but they could have done more. It comes back to the ownership group at the end of the day, fair or unfair. Again, when you're the one that's at the head of the table, you part of the deal with being in leadership positions is you are the last to take credit and you're the first to take blame. That's part of the deal. That's why you're in charge. You get compensated in other ways, but you're not allowed to take credit first and you're not allowed to push blame off. That's just part of the deal. And, uh, also, oh, it's yep. going to be kind of fun here because I guess the first of these plagues is uh, next week. I did I mentioned earlier in the show, we do have another guest for next week. And that is going to be, I suppose, a Stan Island expert, the head of Pinstriped Prospects and local Stan Island expert, Robert Pinsner, on the program to discuss all the Staten Island business. We originally scheduled this for back when, you know, Stan Island was supposed to still be in the Atlantic League, and we were going to say, oh, do you really think they can make in the Atlantic League? we got a lot of qualms with this, and all that kind of thing. So, uh, this interview's taken a dramatic turn over the last 24 hours as to what it's going to be involved with, but, uh, it'll still be good to ask. We talked talk about the future of baseball in Staten Island, uh, the whole behind the scenes, uh, whatever's happening with that, or whatever happened with that, uh, we can go into some detail about it and hopefully we will have uh, a really strong interview to follow up another really strong interview so uh, that's yeah. next week uh, we look forward to having uh rob on the show uh, yeah. with that said a couple other things we need to promote here real quick before we get into our template plugs uh we are and you'll see later today as i record this but yesterday while you listen to it the q a uh, q a is coming up it is on december the 23rd and that is just a mere 18 days away from the time you listen to this. So you'll want to make sure you get your questions in very quickly. We are less than three weeks away. And if you want questions answered, you need to start asking her now. We are kind of at like four or five still. And that's going to be a very quick episode. Again, the target goal is about 20, so let's try and get some questions in. I'm going to make some posts on uh, Instagram, at IndieBallReport. I'm going to make some posts on Twitter, at IndieBallPod. I'm sure Will, at ALPB underscore News on Instagram, Will... Also be doing something like that as we get closer, or maybe even now. Okay, see, there we go. We know his plans. So you can go ahead and submit questions to either one of us there. If you prefer to email your question because you don't like social media, which is acceptable, certainly, then you can email them to us at IndieBallReport at gmail.com. Or you could go to our website and look at the other ways to contact us as well. That website is IndieBallReport.com. Dot com so be sure to do all of that we also have a lot of big interviews and whatnot coming up including our interview next week with rob pimsner and uh, a slew of others as you, you may have picked up we teased some other commissioners or other commissioner like folk coming up soon so you'll want to stay tuned for all of that and the best way to do that is by following the show wherever you find podcasts so i'm not sure how you're listening to it now but if you're not listening it listening to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podomatic, Uh, I think I said Spotify, but if I didn't, Spotify too, and Amazon Music, those are all ways you could listen to the show if you're not listening to them there, so be sure to subscribe on any and all of those platforms, rate, review, as well, to help us grow, as I believe, and don't Don't quote me on this because I would have to go into more depth, but I believe we set a single-day play record on Wednesday for plays in a single day, which would be 500...
1: That is what the rumor is, yeah.
0: Yeah, it was 599 plays in one day. I was a little annoyed because I wanted to get the 600 because 599 just is like, oh, come on, one more. But (laughs) we couldn't push the needle over. But still, I can't be angry at a new high in one day. So be sure to keep listening, and we'll be sure to keep creating content. So uh, with that said, do we have anything else left to add in what will certainly be another marathon episode?
1: Well, uh, to keep it quick, my one thing to add is let's go Rutgers tomorrow in their game against Penn State. I can't stand Penn State in many ways as a big Rutgers football fan myself. So I'm hoping Greg Siano can rally the boys and we can get uh, a win tomorrow against Penn State for the first time since joining the Big Ten.
0: So I'm going to leave my... Uh my feelings about the Rutgers Scarlet Night Football program, the Seton Hall, anything uh, just straight up out of this because uh, my philosophy is they should be punished for thinking they belong in the Big Ten because they have no business in the Big Ten. And uh, yeah, I mean, The that's...
1: basketball team is ranked.
0: Oh, wow. Well, what do you know? They're ranked. Are they in the top ten?
1: Uh, no, twenty fourth at the time, but we're getting there. at the moment, but we're getting.
0: There. As a Duke fan, if you're not in the top ten, it's not worth it. I'm still annoyed they lost uh, to Michigan yeah. State. Uh, but I suppose uh, with my plug I will, uh, or not plug my last thing to add is I'm going to keep it on the college athletic bandwagon and uh, tonight as we, well tonight as I record it but it'll be yesterday when you listen to it my North Dakotas they are playing the Denver Pioneers this is collegiate hockey, number one Dakota versus number four Denver going to be a hell of a matchup hopefully we can start off this year in this pod session 2-0 and oh. We beat up on Miami the other night, and I think we can uh, pull out a win against the Denver Pioneers, heated rival. So, with that said, and nothing else left to add, we'll end this show as we do every week. Uh, you know the drill around here. Don't forget to play ball.